0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. We are in kind of the middle of a series and and almost like we're starting a new one today. Right? But uh, we've taken... Psalms 42.7, where it says, deep calls to deep. And it's talking about God's spirit calling to your spirit. And God's calling us all to go deeper. No matter where you are in God, there's a next step. There's, There's growth for you and I to keep on growing in the knowledge of God, in the blessings of God, being used more by God. So in Romans 1, in verse 21, the apostle Paul is actually like in reverse. He's showing us the steps away from God. And he said this in the 21st verse. When they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile or vain in their imaginations or in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So he said to walk away from God, they did four things. They didn't glorify him as God. They weren't thankful to God. They became vain In their imagination or in their thoughts. So literally, their imagination is working against them, right? Their imagination is become carnal, it's anti God. Uh, It's not that they don't have an imagination, it's just they're using it wrong, and then their foolish hearts are darkened. Well, we've gotten to the point where we've reversed it, so we glorify God, we're thankful. We, we recognize the power of imagination or meditation in God's word. And then number four is have a good heart. And so I want to take at least this week and next week and maybe one more after that. And I want to talk to you about how to have a good heart. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Now, the tree in this illustration is your heart. And he says, you can make your heart good or you can make your heart bad. Somebody says, well, you just have a good heart. You have a bad heart. No, your heart is never stagnant. It's either moving away from God or it's moving towards God. It's either becoming stagnant good or better, or it's becoming bad, or it's becoming worse. Now, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and it's talking about hearts. So we're going to take and we're going to read quite a bit of this chapter, and uh, this is going to be our introduction, and uh, then we're going to get to some of the things that you do that make your heart good or make your heart bad. So verse 2, Matthew 4, and he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the waysides and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But some feed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And then he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, this is verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, Jesus is saying, this is the key to understanding all of his parables, but it's the key to understanding how the kingdom of God works, right? How does the kingdom work? Remember, we're, when, when we receive Jesus, We are taken into the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He he arises; he's risen from the dead. He spends 40 days talking to the disciples about things pertaining to the kingdom. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside who hear where where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. Right. So the sower sows the word. It's called the incorruptible word. The, the, the word of God is referred to as a seed again and again, being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Even the word of God that lives and endures forever, Peter wrote. Right. So God's word is a seed and it's sown into your heart. Now, the incorruptible seed, in one sense, does not determine the harvest, right? Your heart determines the effectiveness of the seed of the word of God. The same seed can be planted in one heart and produce nothing, and be planted in a heart sitting right next to you and produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. So it's not the word that determines the harvest. Your heart determines the harvest, and I should qualify that by saying the word determines what kind of harvest you get. How many know if you plant corn, you get corn. You plant tomatoes, you get tomatoes. You plant wheat, you get wheat. So the 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 the, the word of God, what part you sow of the word does determine the harvest, but the word alone does not determine the harvest because your heart will determine what will be produced, the quality, the amount that's going to be produced. So it's our heart. So your heart is the ground, right? Now, the thing about a seed is this. You cannot cheat a seed. How many ever well how many went to school and remember exams, finals, right? I mean you would cram you be studying. You stay up till two o'clock in the morning, right? You take the exam. You get a great grade on the exam. Three weeks later, we ask you the question about, but we're on the exam. You don't have a clue, all <laughs> right? You cheated and you won. You didn't really learn, right? But you can't do that with a seed, right? You plant that seed and it is going to take a certain amount of time for that seed to grow, And first there's just going to be a blade and then a stalk and then an ear and then the full corn in the ear. So we cannot cheat on this system. In Mark 4, verse 26, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now the motif that Jesus uses again and again is the kingdom of God. It's like a seed. And should sleep by night and rise by day. The seed, that's the word, Should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. For the earth, the earth is what it is your heart, yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, again, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. It's a seed. The word is the seed that's sown. It's sown in your heart, right? And the, the, the earth, your heart yields crops by itself, right? By itself. The Greek word that's used there, we get our word automatically from, right? So what you plant in your heart will automatically produce based on the ground that's there. So you, could, you, you can plant the word of God, but how many, you could plant lust, pride, fear, envy, hate, greed, unforgiveness, mistrust. How many of you know there's other things you can plant? Right? And your heart will bring forth fruit automatically. It will automatically bring forth fruit. So one principle is this, to have a good heart. You need to plant the right seed. You've got to plant the right seed, right? Uh, how many of you know entertainment today is just going crazy? Right? Uh, you, 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 I, I heard that an 18-year-old today, by the time they graduate from high school, that they've been watching television at a normal pace. They've seen over 100,000 murders. That's not a good thing to plant in your, seed, in, in your in your heart, right? adultery, fornication, right? Constantly, right there in front of you. It's being planted, being planted, being planted, right? So the ground is your heart. Something's going to be planted in your heart. You need to plant the word, but you can plant other things, and whatever you plant, your heart will automatically bring forth that fruit. These are the ones by the wayside. Where the word was sown and when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes the word takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so they endure only for a time afterwards tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it. They bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. This this parable is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke takes this last verse and says, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. And they bear fruit with patience. How many know you can't hurry a seed? In fact, if you keep digging it up to look and see how it's working, how many know it's not going to produce at all? You've got to get that seed. You've got to put that seed in the ground. And then you've got to water the seed. So he said to them in verse 11, he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, those things come in parables. So he said, we're going to talk about the secret or the mystery to the kingdom. Right? One of the key secrets of the kingdom is that the kingdom of God works on a seed principle. The sower sows the word. Right? It's God's word that needs to be sown in our heart right? We can't cheat it. It's going to grow, be put in our heart. We need to water that seed and then it's going to grow. First a blade, then a stalk, then the ear and the full corn in the ear. And then the Bible says you put forth the sickle and reap. And and someday we're going to get to how do you reap? Because a lot of people never get to the reaping portion, but there's something you need to do to reap. So the devil is after the seed. The seed is sown, those on the path, he comes immediately and he steals the word of God that was sown in their hearts. It's the same thing that he did in Genesis chapter 3. He came to Adam and Eve. And, and, and he says, Can you eat of any of the trees? And they, well, except for the tree in the middle of the garden, because the day that we eat of it, we'll die. He said, Well, that's not true. You won't die. What's he doing? He's stealing the word. He said, Well, what will happen is you become like God. Now, they were already like God. But He's lying. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? So those are the ones that they hear the word, but immediately Satan comes and steals the word that was sown. Again, for every one of these, the, 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 the devil wants to steal the word. In verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, endure only for a time, and afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Right? Luke's gospel says, they believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Matthew says, because of the word, immediately they stumble. Hard times happen. They're not appreciated. They get offended but the devil is after the same thing. He's after the word of God. He says, they believe for a while. Mark said they they, they receive the word with gladness. They're excited. They're like, whoo! They get themselves a big Bible. They get a bumper sticker to put on their car, big old fish, and they're like, hallelujah! Praise God, miracles, healing, heaven, whoo! Now, enthusiasm is great. But enthusiasm is no sign you're going to make it to the end. They receive it immediately. But then there's difficulties that come. Now, uh, Peter said this. He said, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will suffer persecution. Here's one of the things that that, that I don't know. It seems like to me, like in, in today in the Western church, People just kind of feel like God's a butler, you know? And I just need God to take care of me, me and my wife and our son and, and his wife, us from four, no more, Acts 2, 4. And just me and Jesus and some butler angels, right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, get that? When you do good and And suffer. If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called. Christians are called to do right and to suffer for doing right, for standing up for righteousness, for truth, for the kingdom of God, and to suffer as a result. That's what we're called to do. And people think it's so strange when there's persecution, but there's supposed to be. Now, it's for his name's sake. It's for the gospel's sake. It's for the kingdom's sake. It's for righteousness' sake. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, say all manner of of evil against you, falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Now, it's not suffering for suffering's sake. It's suffering for the kingdom's sake. Um, Most of you know Jeannie and I were missionaries for a number of years. Uh, We lived in an Indian village part of that time. Uh, I, I would go out and and preach, well, you, you had to walk sometimes 20 hours to get to a village. There's no roads, there's no electricity, there's nothing. Right? And you'd get there and uh, you'd be sleeping on a dirt floor in the church or a homemade bench, you know. Um, and I was glad to do that for the kingdom's sake. But let me tell you something when there's a hotel, I'm there. I'm not, I'm not suffering to suffer. Do you know what I'm saying? What you do for the kingdom's sake, for His name's sake, for righteousness' sake, for the gospel's sake, right? That's you're great as your reward in heaven. But it's just not suffering for the for the benefit of suffering, right? In Christian suffering, is for His name's sake, the gospel's sake, the kingdom's sake, and righteousness' sake. Right? A lot of people will be going through a trial, and it's got nothing to do with His name, the kingdom. Uh, righteousness, the gospel, and they think they're suffering for his name's sake. No, you're just suffering because you did stupid stuff. All right. I thought that would go over kind of like that. All right. All right, verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, the kingdom of God only works when it's our number one pursuit. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it's got to be our number one pursuit. But the cares of this life, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of riches can come in and become a number one pursuit. It, it, It literally can take our focus off the kingdom. How many of you know you got bills to pay, kids to raise? You got to go to work. And then there's people and relatives. And then there's entertainment and there's summer and there's sports and there's hobbies and kids and envy and trying to impress other people. And and my goodness, I just, I think I just want to be rich. That's that's why I want to be rich. You know, the Bible says that those who crave to be rich, nothing wrong with money. But those who crave to be rich fall into many temptations. Many temptations. Right? And it talks about how for many, it is literally called their faith to become castaway. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Right? The deceitfulness of riches. Um, I read recently, and somebody said this is you're only poor when you want more than you have. That one should sink in. This one is, I love this one. He who has no money is poor. He who has only money is the poorest. But this is what the deceitfulness of riches will tell you. You would be happy if you had more. You would be content if you had more. You would be safe, no matter what the economy does. If you just had enough, you would be safe. You would be accepted, you'd be admired, you'd be somebody. You'd be important if you had more. You would not hurt if you just had more. That's the deceitfulness of riches, right? The Bible Jesus talks about how that, when we listen to that, it will cause God's word to produce zero in our life. The desire for other things. It can be anything. It can be money. It can be position, fame, sports, hobby, families, entertainment. When we put anything in the place of the kingdom, where anything becomes our number one pursuit, then what what Jesus said here is it will choke God's word. Now, we talk about the power of the word of God, it is powerful, but there are things that can choke God's word. I hate weeds. I hate them, right? especially on my sidewalk and driveway, right? How many of you know you, a little seed can get in your driveway and pop a hole in your pavement? I, I'm, you, you've seen it, I've seen it, where, where a seed gets in, a, in a, uh, uh, a sidewalk and that seed starts growing and lo and behold, it's moving Huge chunks of concrete, the power that's in a seed. right now there are things that you can do that will literally li- 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 literally it's all, all here's what I do. at my house, we love roundup. Roundup kills weeds. right Now, there are some things that you can do that are like putting roundup on the seed of the word of God as it begins to, that blade, and then the stalk. But you can put, you, you literally can put like roundup on it, right? Hosea 4, verse 11 says, Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. Now, we want to have a good heart, but there are things that can enslave your heart away from God, Right? Now, it mentions, let me give you a paraphrase. Harlotry, wine, new wine. Harlotry, illicit sex and pornography. They right? will enslave your heart. They will enslave you away from God. Right? It mentions wine, excess alcohol, excess drinking of alcohol. The Bible says it will enslave your heart. Right? I remember one of the very first things I ever did as, a, as the pastor of this church was go to a confrontation. The young man in in the church, he was uh, probably just 29, maybe 30 years old. Every night, instead of coming home, he's at the bar until it closes. It's affected his family. It's affected his kids. It's affected his work. It's affected everything. Um, The wife got about 20 people together. We're all sitting in the living room, and he comes in. And everybody starts to, hey, there's what you're drinking is doing. Here's what you're drinking is doing. Here's what you're doing. It's affecting your work. It's affecting your relationship with your wife. It's affecting your relationship with your children. It's affecting everything. I mean, I, I, I sat through it, and I, 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 he said, yeah, my dad had problems, but I don't have any problems. My dad had problems with alcohol, but I, I don't have any problems with alcohol. We are trying to get him to get some help, right? But you know what? It had enslaved his heart away from God, away from his family, right, to something else. And and then the new wine, uh, that, w- that would be drugs, whether it's heroin, marijuana, cocaine, fentanyl, whatever it is. The Bible says those things will enslave your heart. This is what it's like. It's like the word of God starting to grow, and you're taking Roundup, and you're spraying it. You're spraying it on it. Jesus said it will choke God's word, and it will produce. Jesus said it will produce zero. It will produce zero, right? So there are things that you can do to cause yourself to have a crop failure, right, that that are like putting roundup on the word of God in your life. Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, because he looked to his reward. He could have pursued everything that Egypt had to offer. He's part of the royal family, fame, position, whatever stuff you can think of. I mean, he had it in abundance, but he turned his back on all that to serve God and to suffer reproach with the people of God. Now, I want to tell you this. Moses has zero regrets. understand that? He has zero regrets because he was looking to his reward. Jesus said, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. One paraphrase says it this way, and my paycheck is in my hand to give to everyone according to what he's done, right? Jesus is coming back and he has got a paycheck for you, has a reward for you. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. Again, Luke says it this way, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it, they bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. Um, I had a a pastor uh, get a hold of me this week. He's really in a a tough situation. Uh, He he, he said, please call me back. And so I called him and I was talking to him. He said, I remember what you told me. He said, he said, you told us. He says, you said, love your wife and nobody else. So if you want to last, he says love your wife and nobody else. Preach the word and nothing else. Just keep preaching the word. Just keep preaching the word. Keep preaching the word and don't quit. The devil will tell you to quit. How many of you have had the devil tell you to quit? He'll tell you, but don't quit. Just keep going. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hebrews ten thirty six. For you have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promises for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, God says, my soul has no pleasure in him. Don't quit. Don't quit. Second Chronicles 12, 14 said, but he did the evil because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. He did evil because he didn't prepare his heart. Remember Jesus said, either make your heart good and the fruit will be good or make your heart bad and the fruit will be bad. So that's the introduction. Now I have 14 points. So we're going to get to one, just one this morning. And uh, we will start out next week with, with, with the one thing that is absolutely the most important point, most important thing anybody can do to have a good heart. In fact, it is impossible to please God without this. Right? It is impossible to have a good heart without it. But let me just start today with Romans 8 and 14, which says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. See, so often we do not, because we become insensitive to the spirit of God. When the spirit of God is dealing with us, we do not recognize it, right? In John's gospel, Jesus prays and he says, Father, glorify your name. Now listen, then a voice came from heaven saying, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by heard it And said, it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. So God literally speaks from heaven. And some people think thunder. And others said, I I think an angel was talking to him. But it was God talking to them. And we can get to that point where we're not, we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? And to have a good heart, we've got, it, it, when we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, our heart gets harder and harder. It gets harder and harder to hear the Holy Spirit. Um, in 1982, Jeannie and I were still living in Mexico, but we'd gone to visit her parents who lived in the eastern part of Washington State. And a friend of Jeannie's, who she'd gone to high school with, his name's Sam Redman. He came over. We were staying at Jeannie's parents' house, and he came over and he said, "Guys, he said I got this amazing thing I want to do for you guys. He said I'm going to take you snow skiing. Now neither of us had ever been snow skiing. He said we're going to go up to this resort. He said and and." We are going to have the best time, you know. I'm going to teach you how to ski because I'm a, I'm a I'm a like an instructor, and, and we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and 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 then he said, and I'm going to pay for everything. Now I'm Dutch, all right? And, and besides that, Jeannie and I normally, if if it's anything, you know, that's outdoors, uh, any sport, we just we we're, we're all about it. But as he said that, I just there, there was just this something on the inside of me. They just went, don't do it. So he's finishing his spiel. And I said, Sam, thank you very much, but we don't want to go. And Jeannie looked at me and said, we? She said, last time we were here, I was pregnant with Samuel and I didn't get to do anything. And she said, and I would really, really like to do this. And she just looked at me. And she went, please. Those baby blues. And I just went, Okay. I said, okay. And so we agreed to go. Right? But on the inside, I'm just like, this is not right. We shouldn't do it. Now, Jeannie will testify to this. And this has been 40 years. Right? I was a bear all week. <laughs> inside, I just knew this is not, this isn't right. This isn't right. All right. And and, and it just affected, it's just going. I, I just, this wasn't good. It wasn't what we are supposed to do. I felt that, but she wanted to go and I surrendered. Yeah. So Wednesday night, we're going to go on Saturday. Wednesday night, we go to bed. She has a dream. We go skiing. She falls and she breaks her leg. Thursday night, we go to bed. She has a dream. We go skiing. She falls and she breaks her leg. Friday night, we go to bed. She has a dream. We go skiing. She falls. and She breaks her leg. And she didn't tell me. She didn't tell me. And all the time I'm feeling this. So Sam shows up Saturday morning. And, and it's, he's about to show up. She says, well, if you really don't want to go. And I'm like, well, we're already committed. You know? So we, we drive about an hour to get to the ski resort. And uh, we park. We're, we're in this brown Volkswagen Rabbit. Sam and I are in the front seat. Gene's in the back seat. And, and Sam open the door. I says, stop. I said, we're praying, right? And I claimed the protection of the angels. I pled the blood. I, I bound. The, I did stuff I don't even believe in. I mean, I did everything, right? Said amen It's okay, you know? We go skiing, Jeannie falls, breaks her leg. Right? In a cast for 18 months, right? And, and is, is it, she's on the gurney, right? And they're taking her away, she's I dreamed this was going to happen, not, you know, not, not very happy. All right, so here's, here's the deal. Most of the time, except for the Word of God, the number one way that God is going to lead you is with peace, right? The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The Amplified says it this way, let the peace of God be the umpire in making all of your decisions. Right? So God's peace is our umpire. So if we have peace about doing something and you do it, you're safe. You're in the will of God. Right? But when you don't have peace, you break your leg. No, you, you don't have peace. You're you're out. You're out. Somebody says, why didn't God protect you? He tried. He took away my peace, gave her three dreams. He tried to protect us. Right? But we were hard hearted to it. I even knew that we weren't supposed to go, but I went anyhow. How many of you have ever known you shouldn't do something and you did it? Yeah. Yeah. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it be the umpire in making all of your decisions. Listen, every time that we listen to the Spirit of God, it gets easier to hear His voice. Right? Literally, our hearts, they get, it's like taking a step towards God. Right? It's a step towards good. But when we know something, because we don't have that peace, and we do it, it's like taking a step away. Taking a step away. Say, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Uh, We live in a culture today that is not biblical. We are are in a post-biblical Christian culture. And people today believe this, that good people go to heaven. The Bible does not teach that good people go to heaven. The Bible teaches forgiven people go to heaven. See, and there's really just one way to get right with God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. That means that all of my efforts and my way to get right with God will not work. And all of your efforts And your way to get right with God will not work. There's just one way, and that's God's way, and that's through Jesus. Now, the Bible, Jesus said this. He said, you must be born again. It's not optional. You say, what does that mean? To be born again means to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. Now, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If God's spirit is moving on you to get right with him, it says today's your day. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who's in heaven. But now listen, being right with God, salvation, is not about what you know. All of us know about God. We've celebrated Easter. We've celebrated Christmas. Because salvation is not about your head. It's about your heart. It's giving Jesus all of your heart in all of your life. It's about receiving him as your Lord and as your King. The Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So we're gonna pray a prayer. And if you are away from God today, you're not right with God. And you will pray this prayer from your heart. When we say amen, you're gonna be right with God. So I'm gonna ask everybody, if you can take the hand of somebody that's next to you, You came with them, you feel comfortable with that? Take their hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're gonna pray this prayer together. So I'm gonna ask you to make these words your own, to pray this prayer out loud. If you're online, this is you. Just pray this prayer out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him. I receive him as my Lord, my King, and my Savior. And I thank you that you've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. And I'm now a part of your kingdom, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.